White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 715. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From the Palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois, it is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. Are you out there, Andy, in the galaxy somewhere? I am definitely here, Van. We are not doing the the virtual pretend AI, we're (laughs) really doing this together thing this week. How about that? We're actually actually on the same program and not in two separate segments. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, well, we, I will say that was that was an interesting exercise last week. It was. Well, I wanted to do something, and it needed to involve right. both of us, if possible. You know, I didn't want to just yep. stick something out there myself. And um, and yeah, and so we were able to do that. And and I had had all kind of stuff going on last week, and we could just never get together. It was entirely my fault. And then I was, of course, out of town in Chicago for Windy City PulpCon um, over the weekend, so I wasn't able to do anything then. So this is. We're recording this actually the following Thursday, but we're going to go ahead and get this one up so that folks only had to wait a week. So this is a very rare weekly episode. Don't get spoiled, folks. This is not going to happen <laughs> too often, I'm afraid. But um, but we're able to, and I wanted to go ahead and just kind of make up for um, you know for what happened um, last time with the with the with not being able to do it. So we're going to go ahead. And do the uh, the the next episode that we've been but we that we actually had to wait an extra week to do. And we should there there were a couple of things uh, that came up during our our different segments that we need to discuss further. Sure, sure, yeah. I was fascinated by how we had f- such similar things to say. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised since we've gone over it with a fine tooth comb up till then. <laughs> right. Right. But, yeah, we we echoed each other on a lot of things. It was interesting, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really cool that we both had a hot take on Ivanova's involvement. Yes, two entirely different hot takes. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. There was a lot that was pretty cool about that, and I enjoyed listening yeah. to yours and enjoyed recording mine. Uh, we were both kind of frantically just coming up with what we wanted to talk about, which was funny. Right. But but we got it in, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, let me remind everybody right quick before we start talking in, in, in full detail that um, go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, and click on the button to become a patron. And we'll thank all of our patrons in a little bit before we're done tonight. Um, so uh, the thing I was going to say was I, I went and did Windy City PulpCon and picked up my trophy because Valdis V won Best Novel of the Year. Won. Yes, that was awesome. I was I'm, super excited for you. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I love that book so much, and it was such so gratifying to have it get recognized. So, I was uh, yeah, very, very that excited. was really cool. And in you my, got a cool trophy to bring home too. I did in my acceptance speech. I basically just thanked Doug Munch and uh, Herb Trimpey. There for you ins- go. <laughs> for inspiring the whole thing, right? I mean, I said, they, I, right. I said the whole thing was a tribute to them. They inspired yeah. it, and I had to tell that story. So that was cool. But you didn't get to come. I know. I can't believe I missed that. Yeah. I would have loved to have been there for that. Yeah. You usually come. But we had a good time uh, last year when we got to play the card game. I, we Yes. And, you know, I I have been going every year since 2015, and this year was the first year that I missed, and I was very disappointed. Well, you were missed. So, we all missed you. But hopefully we can that. rectify that next time. We'll see. Yeah. I'm already, I've already bought my table for next year, so I'm square away. Excellent. Good to go. Excellent. Yep. Yep. Hey, those things are in high demand. You got to pounce when the getting's good. I I know. Uh, poor uh, uh, the guys from Flinch Books couldn't make it this year. They wanted to be there, and they went to buy the table. They're like, nope, we're sold out. Yeah, you gotta. You can't wait till too right. late. 
Well, and they had a re- they had a record turnout this year. I wouldn't have told you that because I didn't see that many people. Really? I believe I believe it, but yeah, I don't know where they were because I was sitting there at my <laughs> table, and I I sold through quite a stack of Valdis V because people were at the at the people were at the award ceremony on Friday night and they saw it win, yeah. and I had a bunch of people come up and say, "Yeah, I want that." So I sold a bunch cool. of those, and I sold some heists, Miami and Vegas heist, but yeah, not, not, not really not else, not much else. So. You know, but I don't go to Windy City to make a lot of money. I go there to to go to the award yes. ceremony and to see you and to see Ron and to see Rob and to see Tommy and to see all those folks yep. and to go yep. out to eat and everybody and go to the Derek Ferguson Memorial Dinner. We toasted Derek again that passed away, yep. fellow writer and all that. So anyway, it's all good. We'll, we'll catch up again. Maybe we'll have another opportunity to see each other this year. We'll see. We'll perhaps see. at the Dragon Con. Maybe. We'll see. Perhaps. Perhaps. Just got my flight situated tonight for that, so I'm ready to go to Atlanta in, on Labor Day weekend. Well, we've got um, a little bit of... Where did my news update go? I had a news update in here somewhere, but I don't. I can't find it. Well, I remember it. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. So anyway, let me just say what we're doing tonight, and then we can see what else we need to talk about. So... Uh, tonight's episode is 411, season 4, episode 11, Lines of Communication. And we'll be going over that one a little bit. But we also always talk about what's new in the news and yep. um, what else might be going on. So what's on your mind tonight before we get into Lines of Communication? Um, the only thing that I saw of late, well, I saw two things. JMS mentioned the, uh, the kind of a, a, a pseudo-status update on the reboot. I don't know if you saw that or not. No, go please share. He said that there had been some movement on the the reboot. Um, however, the uh, pending writer strike has put everything on hold. Writer so strike once again. Once again, right? Just we we went to the start the start line with with flat tires again. Yep. So I mean, at least we made it up there. Then they had to push it back in the pits and fix something else. So I, I we shall see if this ever happens. I 100% sympathize with writers, obviously, and I'm down completely. But it's yep. a fact that every time there's a writer's strike, they shouldn't have to strike. Okay, let's just put it that way. They shouldn't have to do this. right, right. But every time they do, it just seems to ruin so many good things. Remember, it it, right. it messed up the Battlestar Galactica spinoff a few years ago that was just starting yep. to get it coming out, and they ruined it. Yeah, it's yep. just such a shame. It also messed up one of the James Bond movies, the uh, Quantum of Solace. You can certainly watch that movie and tell exactly where the writers went on strike. <laughs> that movie's so good, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, did the writers all go on strike? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened, actually. You can totally tell. So, yeah, it's too That's bad. That's funny. That's the other bad. thing that I saw was um, JMS posted a picture of himself and uh, Bruce Boxleitner mm-hmm. at a hotel together in L.A. for something well i saw that and then he t- posted a picture of the babylon 5 logo updated kind of three-dimensional graphics updated looked really nice it was kind of brown or bronze and he said this is not for the reboot but it's for something that you're going to be very excited about in about a week yeah that would be at the uh, uh san diego comic-con oh is that when that is that's when that is. They're going to make a big announcement there. So that's. I wonder what that's going to be. That is this the. This must be the thing they reunited for last year, right? Mm-hmm. But we that's still don't I'm know. Thinking. We still don't know what it is. And we we have speculated, but we have no idea. Man, we'll find out before we record our next show. We should find out. Yeah, possibly. Possibly, we'll see. It'll be close, we'll but we'll see. All right, that's all the news I've got too. I mean, I. Yeah, I mean that's. Oh, it did dawn on me. Somebody said today that, you know, when are we ever going to get anything else with with Babylon 5? And I thought, you know what? It was 25 years after Battlestar Galactica's original series went off the air that we got the reboot of it. 25 years. And this year is the 25th year after the original fifth season ended. Yep. 1998. Late 1998, right? Around Thanksgiving of 98, I think, is when Sleeping in Light aired. And so, okay. and so, um, it's it's not overdue yet. In other words, compared to another Correct. big property, it's it's getting it's it's yeah you know, but it's still not ridiculously long time. So, um, oh, and this is funny. I just got a text message from 
Delta Airlines saying your survey has expired. Well, I answered your stupid questions. Whatever, anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So let's go ahead and get into uh, 411 Lines Communication. I don't have a whole ton to say about this episode. It's going to be interesting. I I agree. It was, I you know I'm I'm just looking at my notes as you were saying that and I'm like oh, these are a little skimpy. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. We chatted I mean, for. I'm sorry. It it was not a bad episode by any means. Um, but no, it was, no. Uh, yeah. Just uh, not a lot. Not, of, not real heavy. Yeah. I was gonna say we we chatted for a half an hour before this. Or, well, between us chatting and me dealing with Delta Airlines, and so <laughs> it's gonna take up our usual amount of time, even if we only talk for thirty minutes now. So, <laughs> oh well, we'll never we'll never be done early. We'll never will. Uh, but 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 uh, folks, Andy and I did just now pretty much conclude we're never gonna go back to doing more than one episode a show. We're pretty much to the point now that one episode a show is pretty much as much as we need to cram into one one Agreed. segment of time. Yes. All right, so four eleven, yeah. I, you know, our listeners are here for us anyway, not necessarily for the content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, <coughs> we have officially reached the midway point of season four. Yes. We are. There's eleven behind us now, and eleven ahead of us. Absolutely. So we were zipping right along through the fourth big season, and we talked all about that last time on our separate episode. So, all right, who's going to summarize this one, you or me? Uh, I can summarize this one. Let's hear it. Uh, Delenn goes off to uh, the edges of Minbari space to investigate uh, attacks that have been taking place in in, in that space. And um, uh, Marcus and Dr. Franklin finally meet with the resistance head honchos and give their their uh presentation that they were sent there for that's right um i always like your summaries better than mine anyway because mine are boring they just come from the lurker's <laughs> guide uh but it does end this 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 is actually a longer summary than they usually give but it ends with Minbar begins to slide towards civil war yes mm. mm-mm-mm so, you know, you, one, one would certainly be uh, understood for guessing that the next big storyline will be a min, some sort of Minbari civil war, perhaps. Right. All right. P5 rating. Let's, let's play Andy guesses the P5 rating. What do you think? Remember, the P5 rating is what people who visited Lurker's Guide back, at the de- back in the day on a scale of 0 to 10. So they used double the scale that you and I use. Right. So where did this one land? I'm going to say somewhere between 7.5 and 8. This was an 8.3. Wow. The P5 rating continues to be higher than we yeah. think it would be. And, and we've discussed this because the, the P5 rating was when the show first aired. Yes. We're giving a rating after several rewatches and an in-depth analysis of the entire series. So we've got a lot more. We're carrying a lot more baggage into this. I mean, yes. I can only imagine. I, I remember watching this episode the first time, and the whole Minbari Civil War thing just blew my mind back then. I'm like, oh my god, that's huge! Because mm-hmm. I remember the the Klingon Civil War was a big deal in Star Trek just a few years earlier, and that was one of my favorite Star Trek storylines of all time. So I I, I thought that man, this this is going to get crazy. So I was kind of excited. So I'm sure that I would have rated this higher back then than I did this time. And also, that's right. And also bearing in mind that the folks voting back then didn't know what was coming up or when. Exactly. So they're just exactly. getting they're getting some crumbs thrown their way, and they're just like, yep. you know, gobbling yep. it up, man. So this is all, yeah. So eight point three. That's interesting. That would for us that would translate to like a four point one five. So but. Between a four and four point five, but closer to a four. I'll go ahead right. and tell you, I'm not giving this episode a four or four point five. No. I uh, no, yeah. But I know what's coming up. Right. Exactly. Then yeah. that we keep saying that, but yes. And, and I'm continually surprised with not the lack of quality of this season, but just the it it it's not that it's not any more impressive than season three was. It's more of a slow burn than we remembered. Exactly. That's a very good way of putting it. Thank you. It yeah. The, I, I remember all the information that we got, but I don't remember it being doled out with yeah. crumbs. I, I thought it was like a hoagie sandwich every episode. This, yes. We're just getting little dribs and drabs, and it's fine. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying it, but it, it's it's not 
the you know the the well we we went over this last week. It's right. not the the big fireworks show that I was expecting. Exactly. So this is production four eleven. Originally aired April twenty eighth, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, written, of course, by JMS. Directed by John Flynn III, who I believe is like the photography guy or the cinematography guy or something that they occasionally let direct, right? I think he had another job, yeah. and this was like his sideline was directing. Right, right. Okay. Um, notable guest stars, Marjorie Monahan returns as number one. Yep. Paolo Scanti as Philippe. Yep. I'm assuming that was the guy that, that was like Blew Lamar's the resistor guy. Yeah. Right. And G.W. Stevens as Pharrell. Yeah, I've, I've got a story about him. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah. <laughs> no relation. Don't worry, be Minbari. <laughs> um, when are you going to share us that story? In the random factoids? The random facts, right. yeah. The random well, facts. I, will, I will note here that, that this actor has a grand total of 14 acting credits to his name. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's where we're headed now. To the random factoids for this episode. Oh, well, so, that's a nice segue. So, what do you got? Enlighten us. I've got, I've got two of them. I'll do the the one with Pharrell first. Um, Bill Mummy, who is you know generally regarded as a very nice guy, mm-hmm. despised like was really not a happy camper with the actor for Pharrell. Really? Uh, yes, because. The 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 guy that got playing Pharrell, who who was I think twenty or twenty one at the time, was hired for one day to come in and, and read those lines, and he didn't even bother to, bother to memorize the lines, and I guess he was it was just a horrible experience with, with this kid because he just wasn't taking it seriously and didn't memorize the lines and kept missing his marks and all that stuff, and it 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 upset Bill Mummy. And when you can upset a guy who is as as good natured and, and mild mannered as Bill Mummy, you must really have been a, a, just aggravating. Wow! So I thought that was interesting. And the other interesting bit I read was the guy that played the Drock. You know, with yes. those unique movements, way of moving and stuff. That they hired a uh, a, a um, performer from Cirque du Soleil for that. Okay, I, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, and he I was have... he had that. The blurring effect was added after the suit. Oh, you, you've got something about that, got, don't you? I got a lot about that. All right. Yeah, I'll leave that for you. All right. Cool. Um, the thing about the Pharrell guy, G.W. Stevens, he just seemed like every guest Minbari there ever was. He didn't seem any different. Just a slightly right. different voice and face. It's yep. always somebody being super serious with a British accent. Right. <laughs> you know? Delenn, the shadows are moving. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, another pretentious Minbari. Oh, here we go. So when he did his little bit, I was just, I wasn't thinking there was anything special about it. It's just another yeah. Minbari overacting. So whatever, but that's funny. Uh, all right, let's see. The first thing that jumped out at me, and maybe this is one of your category things, but I've got to say it immediately because it just. I, I was so taken aback by this. I don't know if it's a lack of self-awareness on JMS's part or on the character's part or what, but given what you and I have said so many times about Stephen Franklin, I mean, how many times over this series have you and I joked about Franklin? Right. Uh, oh, you, you're ill. Well, I could take you to med lab, but hey, my quarters are right around the corner. Yes. He has certainly never been shy around the ladies, and he no. has never been uh, uh, slow on the uptake no. when, it, when it comes to uh, uh, macking on him, so to and speak. Yet. And yet, he had to be practically shoved into her arms by Marcus. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was what? playing all coy and like, what? She's she's hitting on me? No. Come on, <laughs> please, Marcus, please. Surely you jest. I'm like, we're we are witnessing Franklin being encouraged to try harder to hit on women. Right. I was just on the floor. You yeah. can't you you I, in fact I have a sound effect from the football show that fits this perfectly. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That was me right there. Right. That was me. 
It, it was almost as if the, the, the roles were, were reversed. That should have yes. been Doc Franklin trying to push Marcus towards her. That would make perfect sense, yes, right. because Marcus is kind of shy about women yep. and stuff. He's very reluctant to, you know, he does his, when he does talk to women, and by that I basically mean Ivanova, he's, he's very kind of like, ha ha, look at me, I'm wacky, I'm going to make a joke out of this, you know. Right. He's not, he's, he's the opposite of like Don Juan or something. Right. Which is which He's is charming. Dumb. It's part of his charm, right? Because we like right. that about Marcus. Right. But yeah, if if Franklin had been like Marcus, she likes you. He'd have been like, oh no, you know, or whatever. But Stephen should have been like, you think so? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he should have been off. I, it just seemed, yeah, it did seem out of character and basically backwards. So I agree. So that was that was just odd. Yeah, it was. It it, it struck me as funny too. All right. Uh, this was an all John and Delenn, Franklin and Steven episode. We had no Londo, no Jakar, no Veer. You almost think they weren't on the show anymore. This, in some ways, this was kind of like a season five episode where half the cast is missing, you know. Right. Van, none of them were walking through the door. <laughs> Londo's not walking through that door. Jakar's not walking through that door. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. <laughs> Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. I just want to say Andy asked for it, all right? So don't blame me. Um, we are heading into some Minbari-heavy episodes. I don't think that's a secret or a spoiler for anybody. Um, we finally met some of the aliens that we saw fleeing Zaha Doom before it blowed up. Yes, we did. That was interesting. Yes, it was. So the, the shadows still have agents running around doing stuff, which makes me happy because if I can't have the shadows causing mischief in my galaxy, I at least want their apprentices causing mischief, you know? Right. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, although I have something to say about the way we saw them, but we'll get to that later. All right. Ivanova's back to being a TV broadcaster again, which is ironic because that's actually what Talia Winters left this show to do. Right. <laughs> How does Claudia That's keep right. ending up doing TV broadcasts when the other people are leaving the show to do it? That's funny. That's so weird, yeah. But I did like that, that she's back. And, and they gave Ivanova something to do. That was good. Yep. ISN is still totally lying about Babylon 5 and about Sheridan. Makes me mad. Makes me Absolutely. mad. Absolutely. But it's still shocking how, how that resonates today. I mean, especially today. How, oh. how I mean, how many times... My God, my wife and I would be watching the news and we'd just turn it off and discuss because it's just full of crap. <laughs> I mean, uh, come on. An entire news network just lying in the service of some leader? That would never happen, please. No, come that, on. That would never so happen. Just unheard of. I wonder if uh, it would be funny if there was like a giant one and a half billion credit right. de uh, <laughs> uh, defamation trial by Babylon 5 against ISN. <laughs> that would be so funny. Because I'd like to see the text messages between President Clark and the head of ISN. Right. <laughs> I, I want to see the text messages between ISN reporters where they're like, I hate Clark. I can't wait till he's dead, man. Clark sucks. That would be so funny. That would be so funny. Uh, uh, this, of course, has no connection whatsoever to real life. We're just talking about a TV right. show. Um Another assault on Babylon 5 seems to be coming. Well, so Severed yes. Dreams Part 2 could be out there. We don't know. Yeah, they are definitely laying the groundwork for that. So we now know that Sheridan was involved in suppressing the food riots on Mars, and the Mars people remember that he did, so they're not happy with him. That's that, that has come up before. Yeah. That he, was, that he was involved in putting down the food riots. I suspect that's one reason that Clark thought he'd be a good choice to be the new commander At, of Babylon 5. Right. Absolutely. Oh, he'll beat up innocent people who are starving? Sign him up for my army, says Clark, right? <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, somebody pointed out Franklin has bought into Sheridan's cult of personality, though it's not entirely clear why. His reaction to the skeptical resistance leader is exactly the kind of thing Garibaldi complained about, right? That they just think, oh, Sheridan will do whatever, you know. Right. Um, so... That was interesting. I don't know that he's bought into the whole cult of personality, but I think he just has a healthy confidence that Sheridan will do the right thing and be able to do the right thing. Right. So um, somebody also noted Delenn's reaction to the destruction of one of the White Star ships was similar to her reaction to the death of Ducat. 
she kind of gets mad and says, let's blow them up. Let's kill them yep. all. Which was totally awesome. Delin, yes, we're going to get to that. Delin is like, oh, yes, John, you're so sweet. Yes. Oh, John, I love you. Kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> she flips that and switch. Me, uh, Mira Furlan said that, you know, she went to JMS because she was, you know, getting reaction from fans that were yeah. saying, you know, you were so awesome before and you were so tough and, and now you're just all demure and you're like, you know, uh, Sheridan's, you know, trophy wife and all this stuff. When do we get to see Delenn again? And that's and it. JMS is like, let's show him. Yeah. He was like, you're right. I've, I've yeah. slacked off on that. Well, you know, part of it, I think, is that Mira Furlan was so good at portraying the sort of dutiful doting wife kind of character you know she the way that yep. she'll stand there next to Sheridan and just kind of gaze up lovingly at him you know yep whereas it could have been she's standing there with her hands on her hips looking tough you know right so that's a performance and, and a directing choice to make right. her seem a, that way a credit to Mira Furlan for that because she she can switch from one side of the mm-hmm. character to the other and it seems perfectly organic and natural it, yes. it doesn't seem like she's going against character or is badly written or anything like that. It seems like that's just the Lent. That's right. Uh, Marcus is from Aresia Colony, and that's a reference to the Lensman series by E.E. E. Doc Smith, interestingly enough. Oh, here we go. Buckle up. I'm going to run through these. This episode has so many great lines that I found a webpage that had transcriptions of some of the best lines. And <laughs> I that, that surprised me. For kind of a mediocre episode as this was overall... There's some really good dialogue. All right, so and, and you know JMS doesn't always give us. You know sometimes he gives us great dialogue. Sometimes he gives us kind of forgettable dialogue. But I'm just going to run through a few. Delenn says to Sheridan, "Fighting a war is easy. Destroying is easy. Building a new world out of what's left of the old that is what is hard. But that is your strength. So much is falling apart out there. You must help to put it back together." Great line. Great line. Yep. Sheridan. <laughs> Sheridan to Delenn. Can't you send out Lanier? It might be dangerous. <laughs> and we wonder why Lanier gives him the side eye all the time. <laughs> I was on the floor again. That's so good. Can't you send out Lanier? It might be dangerous. Uh, let's see. The ISN reporter says, Our job, as always, is simply to state the facts and let the truth attend to itself. Is there... Oh are there... There's another Mount Rushmore we need. A Mount Rushmore of JMS's pet lines. Yeah. Right, lines he just goes to as if he's never used them before, over and over and over. Let the truth attend to itself must come up fifteen times in this series if it comes up yeah. once. It's right up there with um, the universe figuring itself out and after a fashion. Right? Yeah, he loves that after a fashion. There's so many what, like that. What, what's the the Johnny Sheridan one? Blow them all to hell or something like that? Oh, straight to hell. Straight to hell. Straight to hell. (laughs) Yes. That's it. Um, Yeah, he's either smiling Johnny or sending somebody straight to hell. Um, Okay, here's another one. Uh, (laughs) Sheridan says to Ivanova, and that's one of the better areas, parts of the show, look, if they want to play games, well, fine. We can play games, too. Only we can play them better because we have the truth on our side. You can't kill the truth. Actually, you can kill the truth, but it always comes back to haunt you later. That's a good one. (laughs) And the one. delivery of that line was perfect, too. Because he yeah. kind of oh, stopped yeah. and turned around and said, well, you can kill the truth, but... But, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he also... Uh, <laughs> Sheridan Ivanova, you have a face people trust. I'd rather have a face people fear. That, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, I thought Ivanova looked really cute in this episode, by the way. I know she, they, <laughs> she crawled out of bed, didn't have a lot of makeup on, and she just looked very well she had she had her hair down she looks much yeah. more lo- much less severe and military when she has her hair down she, she had her hair down and sometimes when she has her hair down it's all floofy out right but this time this it was, was just, just down and straight right and, yeah and not a whole lot of makeup she just looked good she looked very fresh yeah. you know so she did um pharrell says to delenn ducat says when there is good news we always ask if it's true because it's so difficult to believe but when there's bad news, we rarely inquire because it's so easy to believe. That totally sounds like a Russian thing that JMS came up would quote. You know right. what I mean? Does that right. not like sound like something that the Russians would say? You know, it it very much does. Yeah. 
Um, and then Marcus, this is the line we've been joking about. Marcus says to Franklin, touch passion when it comes your way, Stephen. It's rare enough as it is. Don't walk away when it calls you by name. That That is a great line. I love that line. It's a great line. It just should never have to be spoken to Franklin. Right. right exactly. It was, it'd be like, more like, Franklin, quit molesting passion. You know, just <laughs> hands off a little bit. Hands off the passion, Stephen, even if it's calling your name. Right. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. All right. Unanswered questions, a couple of things. Um, why does Sheridan think he has the power to promise Mars independence? I mean, does he That's think? What does he think his job's going to be if they do overthrow Clark? He might not be. Any, he might just be back on Babylon Five or be completely out of work. We don't know. He has. He has designs. I guess so. He has plans. You might say well, he's. A, I, I guess he's what. You might say he's a rising star. Yeah. Well, he wants to be. He knows that if he plays a role in overthrowing Clark, he's going to play a role in what comes after. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. Um. Are the Drock the only survivors of Zahadun? And how many of them are there? We, I, I still don't know how many Drock there are, and I've read all the books and seen all the shows. Uh, are they the ones responsible for planting the keepers on the Regent and on Captain Jack? Well, that's probably a safe bet. Um, why did the Drock emissary appear to shimmer? Well, we're going to get to that. What does the warrior cast of the Mimbari hope to gain by forcing the other casts out of the cities? I'm assuming that's going to be addressed coming up too all right and finally just a couple of jms speaks um why did franklin send a video message so that they would know jms says so they would know that he arrived safely a text could be sent by anybody right. um they uh somebody asked jms um where did the design come from for the drock ships jms says i indicated a flower-like design with the lethalness behind them it seemed like a nice contrast Somebody said White Star 16 wasn't too tough, meaning it got blown up pretty easy. He says, why do you assume it hadn't gotten hit before? So that's fair. And then yep. why did Delenn run at first? And he says, you have to run to kind of re regroup and come back with a better strategic situation, right. which is totally fair. Yep. All right. That's all the notes and quotes I've got. Yep. Ready to Go. get into it? Get in the categories? I I definitely am. All right. This is gonna be, I told you it's going to be a short one. High point of the episode. Uh, for me, it was the space battle. Simply because the Drock ships were pretty darn cool. They were. Uh, I, and I, the, the White Stars are, of course, the White Stars. It's always good to see them in action, especially when you see them in formation and doing battle plans and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty cool. And just it, the, the power that, that Delenn put into that whole scene was just awesome. It was awesome to see her back, you know, as, as the commander, as the warrior, you know, mm -hmm. just laying down the law. I thought that was super cool. You know what the Drock ships are, in my opinion, they are Vorlon badminton birdies. <laughs> Which is uh, weird. Somebody did ask, are they for sure connected to the shadows? Because they look more like the Vorlons. Uh -huh. I think it's just that organic technology with a different yes. color scheme. If it had been black and red instead of black and yellow or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. they still look dangerous as heck, man. They they did, and I the you know when I saw the uh, the landing or was it the the boarding pod or whatever with that the emissary mm -hmm. came over and that looked very uh, uh, Vorlon. Oh, absolutely. The way that the pedals came out and all that stuff, it looked very Vorlonish. Back in the day, there was speculation that maybe they were actually the Vorlons apprentices, but I think we know the Minbari are the Vorlon apprentices. Right. Um, I don't. I think it was just coincidence because they're they're totally the shadows, right? Apprentices, and they they could be nearly as old as as oh, yeah. the Vorlons and the shadows too. So they could no, no. it could be you know very similar technology to what the Vorlons because it seems like a lot of the older races have very organic technology. Yeah, that seems to be the direction things go when you've been around for a while. Right. We're just out there hammering tin cans together. They're like growing right. those things, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. My high point of the episode was was the specific part of what you're talking about. When Delenn orders the White Stars to turn around, she's like, who said we're leaving, Lanier? Yeah. <laughs> Lanier's like, what? Turn yeah, around and go cool. blow up the entire Drock fleet. Yeah, I thought that and, was really cool. And it was all the more surprising considered they'd barely escaped moments earlier, yep. right? Moments earlier, they'd barely gotten away, and one of them didn't. Right. And they just turn around and come right back. But this time, they're like, sneak attacking, dropping in from above 
rather than being already right there in the middle surrounded basically exactly exactly and i thought it was it was really neat how they they flew towards you know the big drock mothership to you know to get away i thought that was pretty cool yeah i agree i thought it was pretty, the skin dancing thing or whatever yeah. i like Del- i like lanier's whole thing there like she says what would you need to be able to do that? And he goes, like, five more years of training. <laughs> and, well, you don't really have five years, maybe five seconds. He's like, I can just get the computer to do it. Um, low point of the episode. Low point for me was the Holman-Bari Civil War. And that's not, that's not saying that I think it's a bad plot point. I think it's just a very tragic plot point. Yeah. Um, and the, the line, the, the point that it really hit home was, uh, you mentioned this earlier when she was talking to Pharrell and she said, I'm sorry, Pharrell, I, I never should have been away this long. So you could just see in her face how she, you know, she was so intent on the war against the shadows and helping Sheridan with Babylon five that she completely ignored everything that was going on at home. And it, just, it, it hit her right there and you could see it on her face. And it was, she blames herself was very in part. She does and as well. She should, she's the one that, you know, destroyed the 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 great council and that that's the whole thing that was i mean valen put the great council there to keep the the three casts together and and she said you know when she sundered that great council that i mean that that's started the ball rolling yeah it really did and um she had to do it they wouldn't be there if if she hadn't but she's kind of been inside the beltway as we say in politics right right exactly she's she's been off in washington dc Instead of back home in the, with the constituents, yeah, L- yep. little too long. After she sundered the Great Council like that, she she should have paid more attention to her homeworld for sure. Yeah, and and the political situation there. It's fair enough. Um, my low point. Well, I had a couple of things. So there's actually I got three. I'm sorry. It's just again, this episode had a lot going for it, but it also had some pretty bad lows too. So. My number, counting down, my number three annoying thing, low point, is the guy that argued with number one and then threw in the, do you treat all your former lovers this way? I mean, come on. That's not necessary. (laughs) And she goes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, her answer was priceless. Yes, but I just didn't need that. Yeah. It made me think less of the number one, honestly. Right. Uh, And that 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 was more of... That was more of a, a JMS not being able to write tough guys, or exactly, or well, yeah, it was. We've established yeah. that. Right. All right, at number two on my low point of the episodes is yet another guy on the ship who pulls a gun on people. <laughs> this is one of JMS's favorite tropes. We see almost this exact scene again in Crusade. Yeah. I mean, and other times, I'm sure, but I know we get this exact same thing over again in Crusade. Yep, it, it was, it was, yeah, it, it was kind of a trite, cliche sort of yeah. thing to do, but not good. And then my number one low point of the episode. I don't have a drum roll sound effect, but I need it. <laughs> my number one low point: <clears throat> the Drock. Really? The Drock comes aboard the White Star. Here's where I've been waiting to talk about it. All right. And actually, no, this is the first part of when I'm talking about it. This is so egregious, it gets two categories. Wow. Okay. The Drock comes aboard, and he's got his Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> you guys are missing something without the video, because I'm currently performing the right. Drock movement. Yeah. And he's got his little talking ball thing, so he's like, yeah. blah, 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 with his little talking <laughs> ball. Right? Okay. So that's definitely number one for me, but we'll continue this conversation in a few moments when we get to another category. I, you know, I, I, I will say that I thought that, that the presentation of the Drock was really kind of cool. It came across as very alien and different from the guy in the rubber suit that, that we've had on multiple occasions that we always you know, <sighs> bag, bag on for. <laughs> I will, I'll say this. Part of it is I know when we see Drock later, how much better they look. Yeah, yeah. So this but is I, I, like, I, uh. it, it's I, I kind of give credit to JMS for knowing his limitations and knowing where he's failed before and trying to do something a little bit different. I, I, yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, it was it was definitely different. That it it, it I mean. 
the the skull face was kind of a dead giveaway that they were an evil race. I don't know why they, <laughs> <laughs> why they went with something so, you know, obvious. But it, other than that, and that was JMS said that the the paint job on the face was was not what he wanted or envisioned. That they they added that in production of well, the props. One thing that we've been able to say consistently about this show from the beginning, right? They do everything they do on a very severe budget limitation, right? They do yeah. it on what they can afford, and there are times that they work magic with it. Yeah. And there's times that they don't. <laughs> and there's times they have to try to go back and fix it as best they can, and that was this. Yeah. So So I I I, I, I was cutting them some slack because I thought it was neat that they were trying something different. I under, that makes sense. Sure. I have more to say, though, so I'm not done with the right. Drock. I'm not done right. with you, Drock. Y'all better wait up. All right. Most Babylon 5 scenes. This, I'll give you this. This episode did have a, quite a few most Babylon 5 scenes. It did. It had a lot. I had a tough yeah. time picking one out. Yes. I went with, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, too. Fighting a war is easy, but building a new world is hard. I, I thought that was, that whole scene was just very Babylon 5. I mean, it was, you know, basically laying out wh- where they where they have to go from here. Yeah, and I, th- no, I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. It, it touched on a lot of the themes of the, this whole season of season four. It did. That's good. Yeah, I, <clears throat> you're gonna like where I went with this. All right. Most and 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 I win by the way because you're right, but mine is a more Babylon Five scene. <laughs> mine is a more Babylon Five scene, and you're gonna agree with me in about two seconds. All right. Ivanova being woken up in the middle of the night. <laughs> Tell me I'm that lying. Is, that is so true. That uh, you win. You you absolutely win because <laughs> that has been happening since probably the very first episode. Yeah. Yep. 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 And she always she always complains about it. JMS it's, it's, is just sadistic about waking yeah. up Ivanova. It's like you can just see JMS going, All right, we're using Ivanova this episode. How do we bring her into the story? Oh, we wake her oh, up yeah. in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but it's worth funny. it to get more Ivanova. I'm okay with it. I am too. But it was pretty funny though. I'm just that surprised was. you didn't I, say computer. I, what time is it? Ding! It is two a.m. Ah! <laughs> oh, she was asleep and Sheridan was up. Was Sheridan just up during Major Atumbe or whatever? What's what? Atum- Atumbe Major Atumbe's Atumbe. shift, or was he like alternating with Ivanova? I I think he was uh, giving a Tumbe his uh, performance review, <laughs> so, so he, he was had to wait until a Tumbe shift. So he was up. So yeah. There you go. There we go. Oh gosh, I want I want Major Tumbe to have some screen time before it's all over, but I'm afraid we're never going to get it. I I want to you know I want somebody to cosplay as Major Tumbe at <laughs> Dragon Con this year. Well, the thing of it is, here's the problem, Major Tumbe. He was never in any of the Army of Light meetings. Right. So we don't know what side he was on. Right. Maybe he left when they offered amnesty to the Clark supporters to leave. You know, he was always third shift. He may not have known that the Shadow <laughs> War was even know. going on. He it always happens know. for the first two shifts. He's probably like, what the heck is going on around oh here? Why is everybody gosh. in such a tizzy? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> I can see, you're right. I can see all the Army of Light people sitting around the table. Oh, a tomb may be like, why are their why are their uniforms different all of a sudden? <laughs> why, why are they wearing these black I uniforms? Didn't get a, I didn't get a new uniform. No, where's mine? <laughs> and they're the army of light sitting around the table planning the next big battle. And they're like, wait, where's Major Major Atumbe? Uh, Susan's like, oh, he's asleep right now. I'll let him sleep. He's good. He needs his rest. <laughs> Somebody's got to run this place when we're all asleep. So just let him rest, right? We can't all be up 24 hours a day. I would love that. Yeah, I would totally love. Well, I feel like if it's Major Atumbe, he's like an African, you know, national, like he's right. from Nigeria or something. So right. I'd love to see, um, well, not African American, just African. I'd love to see so black. I'd like to see a, a, a large black guy in a Babylon Five uniform, like cosplaying, and people say and have his little badge, like say Atumbe, and people are like, well, who are you? Say, I ran the station at night. I, that's <laughs> you know, that's it. That's canon. Right. That would be so great. People be like, "What? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah." I, I think that you and I came up with the fact that uh, Yafet Koto was was oh. set to play but couldn't make in it his, that that week. So in his prime, Yafet yeah. Koto was so major. Well, you know, you know who I would like now, maybe 
is um, the the main actor from Nope that was also in Black Panther, wasn't he? Oh, I was gonna. It, I was I gonna about just about to say I didn't see Nope, but the guy from Black Panther would be cool. Yeah, I think it's the same. I think it's the, the same the actor. Big, the big big guy that played the the Gorilla Warrior King, right? Let me let me uh, Daniel Kaluuya. It, no, it's not the same guy. I don't think. But okay. I don't think. But Daniel Kaluuya, he might be too young. That's the only thing. Yeah. I think that guy from Black Panther that played the the uh, the uh, King of the, the the Mountain King would be perfect. Yeah, let me see. Um, oh, bless your heart, Chadwick. Well, he, Daniel. Okay, Daniel Kaluuya was in it. He was Wakabi. Okay. But Winston Duke is Mbaku. Yes. Winston Duke would be yeah. good. Winston Duke he would, would be, be awesome. good. Yeah, he would. And yes, he's a big he nerd too. So is he? <laughs> he's cool. Yeah. Oh, I see Chadwick there, and it just makes me sad. Oh, Chadwick is my brother. My brother. He's. Um, I had the same thing, right? We've talked about you and I have talked about this. I don't think I ever talked yep. on the show. I had the yep. same thing he did. It's just that his was more advanced, and so he died and I lived, and it just makes me so sad for him every single time. Anyway. Yep. Um, let me see. Favorite character moment. I, you know, I think we've touched on this one already, but I'm curious to see what you pick. Uh, it has to be one of Delenn's scenes because th- yes. this was her, her coming back out, her, her reemergence, her blooming. Uh, I put, uh, don't forget who I am or what I can do. Bing, 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 bing. That is yep. it. That's I've, the only. It, yeah. That's the only option, I think. Yep. Because uh, it was uh, it, it was showing the, the, pardon my French, the badass side of Delenigan, which I yes. thought was, it, it's such an integral part of her character and what makes uh, makes her such a strong, awesome character is, is that she can turn into the general and, and, and take care of business yeah. when, when necessary. I thought that was great. Yeah, the never forget who I am, Delenn. That's... Or who I was, right. what I can do, all that. Yeah, the whole bit. Absolutely. Yep. No, I agree. Funniest moment. Oh, <laughs> there was quite a few funny moments in this one, but More the than funniest I thought, one. Yeah. yeah, I thought the funniest one was when uh, um, Sheridan woke up, Ivanova, and, and she said, "John, can I at least get dressed first? And and Sheridan's like, "Oh, I hadn't noticed." She's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> I meant to get that quote. Yeah, because she says, I'm not interested in you. You're not interested in me, but right. you come in here and I'm dressed like this. What did yeah. she say? I'm not chopped florin or something like that? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. What was it? I forget. Chopped something or other. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't say chopped liver, but she some other right. thing. Right. That was pretty funny because she, yeah, she threw a little gown thing, a little a wrap over herself, but she was still... Right pretty we've already seen her walking around the the command command and control naked right in that dream so (laughs) she didn't need to do that in real life quote unquote yeah um i i was conflicted over the funniest moment because honestly the very last scene where marcus is sitting there with his pike going yep yep (laughs) and i'm like that was like the most heavy-handed thing right just slap us over the over the head, slap right. us in the face with it. They might Salty as well have not that name. <laughs> they, no, I mean they might as well have done like Hitchcock and shown a train going into a tunnel, right. or or I guess they could have gone back to Babylon Five and shown a ship docking inside the Babylon right. Five station. You know what I'm saying, right? Right. Yeah. So just hit us over the head there, Marcus. Um, that was pretty funny. Although I was a little more like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, the other funniest was the thing where Ivanova, like you said, Ivanova takes great umbrage at not being lusted after. Right. <laughs> she just crawled out of bed and half naked. That was pretty funny. All right. Who won this episode? Uh, Doc Franklin won this episode. <laughs> he did. Yes. He did. <laughs> We're in agreement. Yep. Oh, did he ever. With a little help from Marcus. Yeah, but you know what? I think really that was all Dr. Franklin's plan the entire time. He was just playing shy and hard to get because he knew that if he went after this girl, you know, heavy-handed, she would have just brushed him off. Yeah. So he, he had to play, you know, like the innocent schoolboy to, to get the bad girl to, to fall in love with him. So <laughs> really it was all it was all part of Franklin's plan. That's so funny. I I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy into it, sure. But yeah, Stephen Franklin, oh baby, oh yeah. Who lost this episode? And now we're coming back around to my Drock diatribe. Uh, I'm going to say Minbar lost this episode because yeah. they are now in the throes of civil war. And not just kind of. I mean, they drove the worker class or the religious caste 
out of that city and they they died mm-hmm. like horribly. They froze and st- I mean that's some cold stuff right there. Yeah, that's pretty horrible. That by the way, that was another JMS ism that the dude that commits the sin gets accidentally killed as a result of his yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, he has to die. But it's like yep. if, if he had been standing on the other side of the bridge of the, of the White Star and that beam fell, it would have gone sideways, flown across the bridge, and hit him over there. <laughs> right. It was homing in on him. It was going to kill him no matter where he was. Right. <laughs> if he'd taken a shuttlecraft to the drop ship, that beam would have flown out of the ceiling, <laughs> gone down the hall, out the airlock, and hit, him, hit his ship as he crossed over. It absolutely would have. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Who lost the episode for me? Is everyone associated with that Drock? I, I mean the actor. I mean everybody on the episode. I mean we, the fans watching on TV. Everybody associated wow. with that Drock. And the rest of Drock that also got blowed up. Yeah. Um, now, JMS was asked about it. He said the real reason the Drock shimmered. Oh, no, this is actually this is what uh, Lurker's Guide said. According to special effects technician Ken Busick, I wonder if he's related to Kurt Busick. Was I was the, just about to say that. It's spelled different, but it seems like it's pronounced the same. Was that the costume, and by the way, Kurt has told me told us all a million times it's pronounced Busick. Not, I know people that pronounce it Busaic, yeah. but that's not how Kurt pronounces it. He pronounces it Busick. Rhymes gotcha. with music. Yep. Um, was that the costume didn't look convincing enough. So to give the Drock an otherworldly appearance, the scene was digitally manipulated in post-production. So it looked so bad... They had to blur it out in post-production. <laughs> Good. I, you know, it's funny because people criticized the organic warrior in Infection, remember? And we right. were like, yeah, he looked okay. I thought he was, he was fine. You know, he's kind of a rubber-faced monster of a TV show, but that's, that's what we watched for. It's fine. This guy didn't get any grief, and I thought he looked ten times worse than the Infection dude. <laughs> I, I, again, I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I will point out that there was some sort of one of the reasons why the costume didn't work as planned originally was because they had electronics in there and they had it wired and they had it wired poorly and it electrocuted the actor inside. <laughs> Good. Good. <Yeah. laughs> it should have electrocuted the costume designer too. <laughs> he, he suffered for his art, but he came back the next day. He, he went to the hospital and came back and showed up for work the next day, ready to go again. So they're like, man, this, this guy's dedicated. Yeah, he must have thought more of that costume than I did. Okay, well, I'll, I'll say this as a semi-spoiler. Close your ears for a second if you don't want to hear. We do see that kind of drock again later, but it's pretty well established by then that that's just kind of like their armor outfit, and it's not what they actually look like. So right. thank and, goodness. And J- yeah, JMS said that he wanted the, the face... To be more of to look like a a, a faceplate of a helmet, not like the skull that we got. Yeah. Okay. That would have yeah. helped. Yeah. He, he said his original notes were to you know to have it look like a a, a faceplate to a helmet type of deal. More more along the lines of what the who are the ones on Babylon Five? The guys with the the gas the game. masks on the game. Yeah. More like the game. Yeah. Well, my my final thought on that was at least the Drock ships looked really cool. I was very yeah. taken with them. I thought they looked. Distinct, right? Again, there, there's some confusion because they kind of are evocative of the Vorlons, but they're also clearly right. organic, and they kind of have that yellow jackety hornet look going on that makes them seem, you know, just viscerally dangerous. They're yep. very fast and maneuverable, and everything. Everything about them, I thought, was really good. So, yeah. So the ships look good. If they can get the Drock squared away, we'll be set to go, and I think we will. I promise you, the Drock will get better. All right, here comes the moment of truth. What everybody looks forward to, and certainly including me. On our scale of zero to five, and including halves, what did you rate this episode? I, you know, I, I thought that this one had a lot of really cool information. It, it moved forward the Mars plot. Um, it, you know, got everybody on uh, the the Mars resistance behind Babylon Five, and it moved the uh, it introduced the Minbari Civil War plot. But most important, and of course, the Drock. It introduced the Drock, who are big players coming up. And uh, most importantly, it brought um, Delenn back, you know, full circle to, to where she was at, at the beginning of all this. So mm-hmm. I gave this one a 3.5. I really enjoyed this one. Wow. Wow. Okay. So 3.5. So still below what the P5 rating was, mm-hmm. but, um, but still, but not bad. 
It's still a solid episode, I thought. So I had to wrestle between 2.5 and 3, and I was leaning more towards 3, and then I started thinking about the drop, and I dropped into 2.5. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The the roles have been reversed. That's true. That's true. Normally you're much more forgiving than I am. I know. There was a lot to like about this episode, and there was a lot I didn't like, and so 2.5 is kind of like right down the middle. So you're saying this is worse than even War Without End? <laughs> well, look, I, I watched this episode, and I, I did not say this. No! No! No, I'm devastated! I'm devastated! They're celebrating right in front of me! This is the worst! This is the worst! No! I wish I'd had that sound effect for when we did the Mutai for TKO. Yes. <laughs> We'd have had so much fun with that sound. I'd have just played that for the entire episode for, for TKO. We wouldn't have to do anything else. This is the worst. This is the worst. No. But um Wow, I'm 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 surprised you, you rated it that low. I I thought this was, was a pretty cool episode. Now I now sitting in this seat, I know how you feel when I'm you know, <laughs> Give such crappy ratings to some of these episodes. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, I just, like I said, there was a lot about it I liked, and there's a lot about it I didn't. And yeah. I just, the things I liked never got me that excited. I think if the right. Drock had met my expectations in this episode, it would have gotten up to 3 or 3.5. But gotcha. I just was so disappointed by the Drock here. They were just annoying. And the whole ridiculousness of Franklin and Marcus's situation there backwards. And yeah. I mean, this episode really just depended on Delenn going out and blowing up some spaceships, and and Ivanova getting grouchy as she gets to be on TV, and that's about it. I just that was really all I found of interest in this episode, so not my favorite. Delenn, but I do Delenn like really that it's a. It's the, awesome. I do like that it's like the first big Drock episode, so that's cool. If only yeah. they'd been cooler. All right, just a couple more things to tend to. We'll be out of here. We got to thank the patrons. Go to www.b5review.com and sign up to join our merry band of the Army of Light, the Grey Council, or just Station Security or whatever, um, or even be a lurker. That's fine. So we have to thank uh, Christopher Anastasia, Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, mister. Emma Jane Alexander, Leah G., Rich Hammett, Debbie No Spoilers Norris, <laughs> Dragon Con Delin, Emmanuel Seaman, Giles Zha, Mond 06, Michael O'Connor, Middle Age Geek Tim, Pete, the real reason Van avoids saying Dragon Con Furman. Pete's funny. Steve Palmer, Andy Secret Rates War Without End of Five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez, and Una Luna Azul. Once in a Blue Moon, right? Uh, Weird yes, Al Bester. Moon, I love right. Weird Al Bester. That's a great name. I do too. I love that one. And Heather and Yancey Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone with the Boba Fett head, and Michael Halbrook and Emmett Sharp. Thank you all so very much. Uh, join in the fun and go to www.b5review.com. We have a few messages from the patrons I'm going to just buzz through really quickly. Um, uh, 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 let me see where... Where we ah ah I think this is where the last time we've gotten to do because we didn't get to do it with our last episode obviously right uh, Weird Al Bester pointed out that Reiner Schoen who played uh, Ducat did the German dub in Revenge of the Sith ah interesting the, yeah because yeah, he somebody had mentioned that it was uh, the German Darth Vader and we're like what. So that's cool. I'm glad that he came up with that information. Right. He has a couple of nice things to say, and then he says, m -m 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 my Cartagia. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Middle-aged Geek Tim says, a famous super spy comments about going cross-eyed when dealing with time travel. I, the only famous super spy I know of is James Bond. I don't think he's ever talked about time travel. So what's, what's Middle-aged Geek Tim referring to there? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Maybe... maybe um Austin Powers? Maybe so. Maybe so. We'll see what Tim comes back with. He also said a female pope. I wonder if she took the name Joan II. I guess Joan of Arc would be the first, maybe. Oh, yeah. That'd be kind of cool. 
Um, let's see. Colonel Dad said, Andy, I really enjoyed the episode with you just giving us all your thoughts. I told you you got much better comments than I did. Well, that's uh, because I pandered. I, I, I begged people for, for positive feedback because of my, my fragile ego. So. I, I don't but thank that. you, Colonel Dad. I, I appreciate that. That's, he that's says, very kind of you. He says, good job. As I listened to the roller coaster analogy came to mind, every season has its really neat highs where we get to scream and yell, wee, followed by some not-so-good times as the roller coaster takes us back up the top for more fun. The climb back up the top builds anticipation of great things, and JMS never disappoints. Yeah. I find satisfaction in season four, even with the not so great episodes. Your insights were very good. Thanks. Uh, that's that's a very good point. And uh, don't get me wrong, I still greatly love season four. I still think it's one of the best seasons of, of television ever. So yes. I, I was just my comments were more. I was surprised that it it wasn't as I remembered it Be, oh, because yeah. I do have such strong emotional attachment to this season. I, I just I always look at it with rose colored glasses. Yeah, it's true. Jal Zha says, I very much enjoyed your solo jaunt. Also, Andy, good job, all capital letters. I have the luxury of not viewing B5 through an analytical lens, so I'm happy just visiting old friends. That's a fair point, right? We're Well, you and I have watched it a few times, so we're, we're specifically viewing it through an analytical, analytical lens this time through. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I have admitted in the past, and I will continue to admit that I am a little bit harsher with my analysis and my ratings because we are looking at it analytically versus yeah. just to watch it just for fun. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's a very good point. It, uh, and my wife says, my wife said just tonight, she wants to watch it from the very beginning because for the first two seasons, she really didn't pay attention when I was right. watching. It wasn't until go. later. So she says, I want to watch it from the very beginning. I'm like, you know what? I will sit down and, and watch it all <laughs> over again with you just as a fan because I, I, I love it that much. And revisit Sinclair and everything. Yeah, that's cool. Absolutely. Talia. Yeah. Allison says, I always like this episode. We meet number one. This is Racing Mars. We meet number one, who is awesome, and of course, Franklin gets the girl again. Yep. We also see a female baddie who is a smuggler, and there is not much overacting. You are right in saying that Captain Jack's accent is all over the place. Literally, he's an Australian cockney, and he's not going (laughs) to get you high. Sorry, bad Billy Joel reference. We made that reference. We did. We did. Tonight, though, he is making the boys very happy with those MREs. And did you catch that Carrie Dobro, Darina in Crusade, is the female Brakiri? I did not. I didn't notice that either. Oh, that was Carrie Dobro. I've met her. You know where. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I love Darina. I've always been a big fan of Darina. That's great. And says, I also really like the way that Mars is designed. Yeah, Mars, I, it's cool. That's two. There's two shows that have given us kind of a near future Mars. That's Babylon Five and The Expanse, and I like yes. both of how they. I like in both cases how they convey to you that you're on Mars and not somewhere else. Right, I, I agree. I think that the the design work on Mars is really cool. It yeah. gives you that, yeah, that cavernous underground. A lot of red. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think they do a very good job, and The Expanse did such a fabulous job with that too. Yes, they did. Allison and said. Hmm. Let's not forget the uh, the classic uh, Total Recall. Oh well, yeah, the movie too. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, Allison says you did great, Andy. There you go. Oh, thank you, thank she you. She says one more comment regarding the confrontation between Garibaldi and Sheridan. Sheridan has a lot of unlikable moments this season, and Garibaldi is not wrong when he says that people are treating him in a very messianic way. Then again, Sheridan does does try to make it up to Garibaldi and apologize, even when Garibaldi punched him. It seems the only time he's not cross at someone is with Delenn and Ivanova. It's true. That's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Just a couple. Just one more. Colonel Dad said, "I just re-listened to the solo episode. I was driving during my first listen. Your analogy struck with me. Stuck with me or struck with me? I, I struck with me that Susan is the soul of the B five station. That was my one intelligent, I think, contribution to it. Was <laughs> was kind of." having a sort of an epiphany in the middle of my little half of the episode that Susan kind of I thought that was that was that was very insightful. I thought that was really cool. I'm glad. Okay. I really, so. I really that, yeah. man, you did just fine. I you're you're, <laughs> you're just too too harsh on yourself. I thought you did a, a just a great job too. All right, all right. Well, all right. Well, Colonel Dad says, yeah, that struck me that Susan is the soul of the B5 station. I had not thought that either, but you're spot on. In many ways, she is the personification of the station. Your take on Marcus, like that, like Keffer, he is serving a specific role, is good too. 
Yeah. I appreciate you bringing out new ways of looking at the characters and the storyline. I hate to think anyone is expendable, but in war and sci-fi sagas, who knows? And good luck with your nomination. I'm hoping for a win. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate Colonel Dad actually saying some a couple of nice things about me there. And I did win. Valens V1, yay. I mentioned that already, so good. That's the last one. So thank you all so much for the comments and the questions. We always enjoy reading those. And then I think the only thing we have left to do is to point out that next time we go to 412 Conflicts of Interest, we get some very generic titles for this part of this season. And then I don't, I don't really, I don't have any spoiler space. Do you? Uh, I do not. Ah, well, we might as well just leave off there then. No spoiler yeah. space this episode because I, I would like to, I would like to point out for all of our listeners that <clears throat> this was not Van's first win of a of a. <laughs> Pulp Factory Award for Best Novel. So he is a very talented writer. Andy, I appreciate so, that so much. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, it's well as I, I said to somebody, I said, you know, you got to get them when you can. You know what I mean? If if they're handing out awards, in my opinion, right. you you get them. If they're handing them your way, you take them because you may never create anything that's worthy again. You never know. You right. never know. Well, yeah, right. The, these are like like Super Bowl trophies. You know, get you know how, how many how many great quarterbacks. And never won a Super Bowl because yeah. they just didn't have all the right pieces. Yeah, no, I, so, I'm no. like, and yeah, this. I mean, this is this is a, an award that there was a lot of uh, every year. There's always a lot of very talented people involved with them. Oh yeah. Um, I was lucky to be nominated for best short story once. Um, didn't win, but awesome. You know, I didn't even realize that. I was awesome. that's I'm really happy for you then. Yeah. Well, you no. you were you were you were the uh, the coordinator that year you in fact told me that i just barely lost that's right no i remember that now yes yeah i'm not if i'm not affiliated with them anymore so this was all right. such a shock right. um yeah that's right i remember that now that you mention it now i was up against two really big time novelists this time i was up against the head yeah. of airship 27 ron fortier who's a legend yep. in the business yep and up against teal james glenn who defeated me last time i had something nominated which was miami heist yep. and and so I didn't think I had a chance. I thought I was going to be a distant third, and I don't have right. any idea what the margins were this time. I just know I got the trophy, and I'm not giving it back. Come <laughs> <Right>. to <laughs> my house. I won't let them have it back. So that's it. Anyway. Right. All right. Well, we don't have any spoiler space this episode. That's cool. That's fine. Um, I kind of dropped a few tidbits here and there, but I don't think anything outrageous, so nobody's going to get mad right. at us. Right. So any well, final if thoughts? Anybody, if, if anybody does get mad, I'll, I'll just point them your way because you're the one that did it. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's true. <laughs> Any final thoughts before we sign off for this episode? Uh, no, sir. It's just good to be sitting across the virtual couch with you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Babel, the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast will get on out of here for another episode. And join us in two weeks for, what was it? Um, I just closed it out, so I don't even remember what it was called. It's 412. That would be it would, 412, and it was called... Uh, See, I'm I'm analog. Conflicts of interest. Conflicts of interest. I got, I got everything I, on paper. I know that rumors, bargains, and lies is coming up, and that title right. is good, so it keeps making me forget conflicts <laughs> of interest, which is extremely boring as a title, but that's fine. It's uh, we'll see, and uh, we'll see how long they can just drag out this Marcus and Franklin on Mars because it is giving them something to do. So I'd be happy with them staying there for quite a while. You know, I. I remember watching this when it first came on, and and I was fascinated with that whole storyline. I thought I thought the the Mars storyline was was always a lot of fun. So I'm I'm glad to see it getting some uh, some uh, some airtime. I was a big fan of uh, Kim Stanley Robinson's mm-hmm. Mars trilogy, which came out at about the same time as this show did. That's right. So I thought it was it was really cool to see. Uh, I haven't Mars read get it. Some love, but I know what you're talking what? about. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, Green Mars. It's Red Mars, Green Mars, and Blue Mars, right? Yep. Yeah. Good deal. Good stuff. Um, yeah, and I believe that um, Richard Biggs had said he really liked getting Franklin out of the med lab. Yes, he did. He did say that for sure. So, good deal. All right, we're going to get on out of here, and we will see you guys in two weeks for the next episode. Be good, Andy, and I'll talk to you later. All right, take care, man. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.